Hello everybody, welcome to the Intelligent Property Investor Weekly Masterclass. We've had a big week. There's lots been going on economically and how it affects the property market. And that's why I do these weekly updates for you, uh, because I want you to make better decisions, because better decisions make more money. And when you understand what's actually going on, you're able to then formulate your decisions on some real data, as opposed to just uh, you know, persuasion or uh, fear, which is actually what most people act out of. Um, and it doesn't get them very far, which is why everybody is not exceedingly wealthy right now. So look, if you're listening to me on any of the, um, the podcast platforms like Spotify or on iTunes, I really want you to go across to my website, iloverealestate.tv and have a look at uh, all of my slides because I've got a lot of charts to show you, particularly this week. Uh, about what's going on and how it affects the property market. And there's a whole lot of other free stuff there for you as well. So jump across to my website, subscribe, uh, particularly if you're on YouTube or any of the other channels like that, because uh, then you'll get these coming to you weekly and it keeps you updated. And the more you immerse in the kind of information that we go through, which is the real data, the more confidence you'll have, the more clarity you'll have around your decisions. So let's get into it. All right. Why are we in this super cycle in housing demand? That's really uh, a big topic for, for now. And it's really the good reason as to why the prices are where they are and where they're likely to go. Why markets are jittery and businesses are worried, but businesses are still flush with a lot of cash. So I don't know why they should be worried when there's so much uh, you know, strength in their balance sheets. Why unemployment has fallen to the lowest level? Why there's no pink recession? Have you heard that terminology before? Pink recession. We'll get into that during the talk as well. And why land prices are booming, but lot sizes are shrinking. And uh, even though it's nine months since the home builder ended, all of those boosts that we put out for the um, for new construction, they've all gone nine months ago, ten months ago. So, uh, you know, why is it still booming right now? So let's get into it. Look, I don't normally, you know, like to talk about COVID and Omicron and Delta and all the rest of it. I think we're all absolutely sick of it, personally. I am. I don't know about you. But I do need to talk to talk to how Omicron is affecting the housing market. Um, and is it actually a sign of a market downturn? Well, let's have a look at that. And uh, they're mainly talking about the share market. And I think a lot of people get really confused about whether we're talking about the share market or whether we're talking about the property market a lot of the time. And, you know, um, I, think, I think the fear that is put into people uh, through through the mass media, all of those other things, has um, it puts people into stall. And when someone's in stall mode, they simply don't act. And now is not the time to be in an inaction process. Now, during the week, we had some uh, survey figures come out by NAB, the NAB economists. So let's have a look at what they're saying. They, they do a deep dive into businesses particularly. So this is the business confidence. Now you can see there it's taken a downturn. And this is really with the opening up uh, with Omicron. We had the big case numbers and all of that kind of stuff. So it did for big business um, and particularly for the, sh the uh, investors in big business, meaning the share market. 
And a lot of that was due to, you know, people off on isolation and, you know, you're a, you're a close contact, so you're in isolation even though you've got no symptoms and all these kind of things. So it affected the labour force dramatically. And that's really uh, playing out a lot in a lot of the figures right now. It's the supply chain, and that includes labour right across the board. Now, labour costs are actually up. If you look at the, uh, the end of the calendar year 2021, uh, labour costs were up. But they need to be because we haven't had wage increase for a long time, something like eight years, I think it's been. So it, the labour costs are up because there is such short demand, of uh, short, short, short supply of labour. Consequently, demand is very high, particularly in the construction industry, and that's pushing up pricing. But it's not long-term pricing. It's not salaries. You know, it's not a lot of the, the longer-term um, you know, awards and the, you know, the unions and all of that kind of activity. A lot of it is in the contractor market, uh, and particularly in the construction industry, because you can't get a tradie for love nor money at the moment. Now, um, that's, that's pushing up um, material costs. So uh, material costs are up. And a lot of the international tensions and political tensions that are happening around the world are actually adding to this pressure on supply chains and ultimately to confidence. So, you know, you've got the Middle East going on over there. You've got China and Taiwan. You've got, um, you know, uh, Russia and Ukraine. You've got fuel shortages in, in Europe. You've got all of these factors which are adding tension across the globe. Now, it's not, it's not internal, it's not domestic, it's absolutely international, but it is having a little bit of a flow-on effect. And I think that's what's affecting a lot of these, uh, these figures. So um, it's that, that higher labour cost, the higher material cost is actually pushing up the end sale price of goods. But I think I want you to really look at here. You see, the margins are still good. So what the, uh, the sellers have been able to do is to keep their margins secure by just increasing pricing. And that is obviously having an inflationary effect, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, when you look at the forward orders, uh, we're still pretty good, even though that does show a little bit of a downturn on a seasonally adjusted trend. Um, it's above where we've been in previous years. Uh, so, you know, that's still pretty good. Uh, when you have a look and you go back to, to, uh, to um, 2018, 2019, uh, you'll see there, before obviously COVID happened, you'll see there that they were tracking along that zero line. Well, we're well and truly above that up, you know, even though the trend is down, we are still substantially higher than uh, a lot of the years that we would have considered to be normal years. Capital expenditure has taken a bit of a flat line, it's levelling out. Um, and that's to be expected. You know, there's a lot of capital expenditure going out with new materials, no, sorry, new um, machinery and, and uh, upgrades and a lot of cars and trucks and all of this kind of thing went through a big upgrade when we had a few incentives uh, through 2020 and 2021. Uh, that's starting to level out and that's to be expected. I mean, you just can't keep spending money on capital expenditure all the time. I think a lot of the money in for that upgrade has actually already been spent. But cash flows good. You know, if you look at this chart, you can see here cash flows higher than it's been for a number of years, four or five years. Um, the cash in the balance sheets across the businesses is very good. Um, and, you know, businesses are also running at full capacity. So all that means it's really, really healthy 
for, uh, for Australia and for the businesses as a whole. So even though we see a lot of the jitteriness happening, a lot of it is due to, uh, and I'll, you know, I'll talk about this perhaps in another, another podcast, what we call the story stocks, which are the stocks that are really on fluff and bubble, bubble a lot of the stocks that really don't do a whole lot. They don't necessarily make a lot of money. Um, they just, uh, you know, have a whole lot of potential in there. And a lot of that type of thing is really correcting, which I think is a good thing because they are fluff and bubble. They are not the, uh, you know, the, the kind of long-term businesses that actually produce something and sell something and make that don't have longevity. These are the ones, I mean, it's a bit like it's a currency. That was, it, you know, for the crypto particularly. Um, and it's just a supply and demand on fluff, on fluff and bubble, really. So let's have a look uh, from an economic summary perspective. What does all that mean for property? So even though the future is a little bit uncertain with Omicron and the borders opening up um, and Omicron being highly contagious, but not that bad, really, um, fundamentals are still really strong. So the underlying economy is super strong. And that's the base from which we have to build. It's likely to get even stronger when we have tourists coming in. We've got, you know, travel opening up very soon. We've got all of these other things happening. So it's going to get stronger, not weaker. And then oh, when we open the borders for immigration, wow, over yourself. Because now is not the time to be scared. In fact, get educated. That's what you have to do. Get educated. Get smart. Start Start investing smart rather than trying to invest hard. And there's a lot of rubbish in the market, I've got to tell you. There's a lot of rubbish in the, in the housing market and there's more and more pouring out all the time. Um, so I want you to make sure that you, you, know, you get yourself educated before you take the plunge. But there's lots of stuff to be out there to be had which will really benefit you. Now, the second thing I want to talk about here is unemployment and how it's fallen to the lowest rate in 13 years. So we've got this booming economy. The economy is growing. It's doing really well. Um, and then we've got the unemployment rate coming down. Now, at the moment, we're sitting at um, in the fours, the low fours. The likelihood is that that's expected to go even lower into the threes. So we could even have a three in front of the labour market. And a lot of that is, is also due to our borders being closed because, uh, you know, there's more jobs around now than there has been in 13 years. So there's more people employed now than there has been in 13 years. So that's a, that's a pretty good milestone to have. So this chart really shows the unemployment statistics. The likelihood is that we will see a three in front of unemployment. Now, as an economist, I don't think I can remember a time when we had a three in front of unemployment. I mean, we got pretty low um, when we uh, started to have all the boosts came out with GFC and other things, but three's a pretty low number for, for unemployment. And when you look at the unemployment to population ratio, employment, sorry, to population ratio, you can see here that there are more Australians employed than ever before. Now that chart there goes back to 1999, uh, I didn't take it back any further than that, or macro business didn't take it any further than that. But you can see there, that's the highest number of Australians that have been employed since, you know, the, the late 90s. So that's absolutely incredible. Um, and that, you know, that indicates a strong economy, which indica indicates a strong housing market, which is what we've got to start looking at. 
when we look at um, payroll per sex, now this is interesting because when COVID started and we all got scared and all the rest of it, the, the commentators all said that the likelihood w was that women were going to be the most affected and they would lose their jobs first because they were mainly the ones in casual positions and, and hospitality and a few of those other things. But what we're actually seeing here is that the males are back to pre-COVID um, pre levels, but the women are actually at higher levels. The women are more employed now than we were pre-COVID. So that is really cool. That is something that, uh, you know, was, was not expected as an outcome from this. And you can see there where we've had dips along the way and other things, and that's mainly the hospitality industry. Um, but the, some of the big industries that do employ a lot of women are aged care, and there's a lot more to be needed there, um, health care, the dip that we might have seen in some of the hospitality industries. This has been put out by ANZ. This is the ANZ Job Advertisements Index. And you can see there we're very high, but there's still some upside because if you go back to GFC or the end of GFC and what happened thereafter, uh, you can see there that we haven't reached the peak that we reached for job ads uh, that we did when we came out of uh, GFC. So there's still some upside to be had perhaps, which is why again, we could get down to a three in front of us uh, for unemployment, which is, as I say, that is incredible and, and something that I, I can't remember seeing. I mean, maybe I've had a glitch in memory. I'm getting a little bit older, but employment versus vacancies. And you can see there that the unemployment rate um, there is in the red, but the vacancies are even further. So again, what this chart tells us is that the likelihood is that uh, that um, unemployment is going to go down, employment is going to go up. So uh, because there's more job ads than there are for, um, you know, for, for people that are unemployed at the moment, which is, which is a crazy position to be in. I mean, you know, imagine having 100% uh, employment. That's, that's unheard of. In a, it's, you know, it's, it's heard of in a technical economy, but certainly not in real life. And, but that's where we're heading. Look, you know, that's, that's crazy stuff. Um, particularly when the job ads are, are indicating something closer to 2% uh, unemployment, not up in the fours where we are right now. So crazy, crazy stuff, but really good stuff. And that all augurs very, very well for the housing market. You know, a lot of people, particularly last year and the year before, were saying things like, oh, uh, you know, there's going to be a, um, a, a recession and we're going to have housing prices drop because everyone's going to lose their job. Well, that's not happening. In fact, we can't get enough labour. That's really where we're at. So the new housing is facing this super cycle in demand. And there are five segments that perform particularly well. So let's have a look at a, a normal market cycle. Now, in this market cycle, you can see there we'll start with phase one is the recovery. So we're coming, this is just a normal market. It's not the one we're in right now, but it's the normal market. We're in a recovery phase, things are improving. We've come off low. Um, we've got declining vacancies. We've got no new construction. Um, so we're, we're really kind of just in that recovery mode. Then we get into phase two, which is expansion. So we've still got vacancies coming down. Uh, but we've got a lot more new construction happening. Then we go to phase three for supply. So we increase 
vacancies. So we're going a little bit into oversupply now. Uh, we're still constructing, so we're exacerbating the situation, which is why the market's in, in a downturn. And then we have increased vacancies and uh, more completions is when all that, those supply chains. So that's typically what happens in a housing cycle market. This is a this is a real estate uh, market. You can see there it's the same uh, it's the same in the recession, but where are we right now? We are just really at the start of that expansion phase. Um, you know that's vacancies are nowhere near uh, increasing. We're we're still in a decreasing vacancies. Construction is still moderate to moderately high. Rental rates are still growing. They're not going down. They're going up. And the absorption rate means that we are still in massive undersupply and over-demand. So that's something that, you know, I really want you to, to take on board and to, uh, you know, have confidence in as we move through these markets. This is the uh, private new house sales. And you can see here that we've actually had increases for five quarters in a row. In fact, the HIA came out and uh, they were saying that sales of new detached housing has increased by 11.3% uh, for, uh, that's for the December quarter. Now, uh, it's the fifth consecutive um, uh, increase that we've had in new home sales in nine months, and that's the nine months since we had that builder's boost. Um, and this is the highest level of new housing sales since 2011, um, which includes the three largest spikes associated with the, the home builders. Now, the underlying demand for housing remains exceptionally strong as the pandemic continues to push uh, ha households towards lower density living. The more time people down, and working from home, the higher is the demand for detached housing and renovation activity. Now, the, these factors are driving the super cycle of housing demand in Australia. So uh, that was put out by the HIA and uh, their economists and what was happening through, through the, uh, the year there. But let me just get this, this camera thing happening correctly for you there. All right, this is a snapshot of the building activity pipeline, and you can see there there's plenty in the pipeline, um, but it's not going to go anywhere towards what we need to from a demand perspective. Um, this is a lot sizes are decreasing while housing is, is booming, and the reason for that, of course, is affordability. Um, a significant increase in price of land indicates that supply is not keeping pace with demand. So that's one of the other economists talking there about what's happening in the, you know, the housing industry. So, uh, you know, all of that means we've got further growth to, ha to be had. Affordability crisis shrinks the house lots. That was put out in the, uh, the Fin Review recently. So what does all that mean? What it means is we have some good times ahead. We have uh, a lot of um, a lot of upside to, to eat up the underlying demand. We're nowhere near supply equaling demand, and it's going to be quite a long time before any of that really kind of takes place. So that means where the house prices have upward pressure on them. So the sooner you get yourself educated and the sooner you get yourself into the property market, the better results you're actually going to have. 
My thought for the, for the week is this one. You are what you do, not what you say you'll do. You are what you do, not what you say you will do. So what are you going to do as opposed to just talk about it? And I think if you can take that message on board and implement it into your life, your bottom line balance sheet and bank account is going to be a whole lot stronger because so many people have missed out on the rises that we've already had. You don't want to be sitting on the fence missing out on the opportunities that are ahead of us for the next few years. So how do you do that? You take up one of my free 60-minute real estate breakthrough sessions. They're with one of my advisors. I've set a few advisors aside just to talk to you. They are free. They are 60 minutes long. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, all you've got to do is click through. You go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash or click through on the, the links, etc. if you're watching me on YouTube or something like that. And you'll be able to take up one of those sessions. I think it's vitally important that you uh, come armed with where you want to go. My advisors will talk to you about what we can do to help you um, in that quest and how you know, time is really of the essence. So look, I hope you have enjoyed this week's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. I certainly have. And I'll be back again to talk to you next week with some more exciting news about what's happening in the property market. So I'll catch you then, guys. Bye for now.